On Thursday, Father Sibley had uh, the first of one of his 23 going away parties, and uh, I was not there, but I heard about it, and it was described to me as a peaceful public transfer of power between himself and Father Patrick Broussard, who was the incoming pastor and who was present at the party. And it got me thinking, I was reading uh, the gospel for today, and the context of the gospel is that this is the Last Supper and Jesus is transferring the church over to the disciples. Describe himself as the vine, as they are the branches. And he says that they will bear much fruit, but then he goes on to say, and we don't hear it in today's gospel, but just a few verses later, how they are going to do greater works than even Jesus has done. Let me think, what did it look like when Jesus handed over the church? You know, did it look like someone who owned some big Fortune 500 company, maybe they had groomed their son for decades to take on the company, and it just kind of happened seamlessly? And so as I was reflecting on the way that Jesus handed over the church to the disciples, an allegory came to mind of um, a writer who writes this story, a writer named Clarence Carter, who writes a story about who a man who was born and raised down in Alabama on a farm way back down in the woods. He was so ragged that folks used to call him Patches. His dad used to tease him about it because deep down inside he was hurt since he'd done all he could. But his dad was a great old man. You could see him with a shovel in his hand, an education he never had, and he did wonders when the times got bad. From the little money from the crops he raised, he barely paid the bills they made. But life had kicked him down to the ground, and when he tried to get up, life would kick him back down. And one day he called Patches to his dying bed. He put his hands on his shoulders, and in, tear he, and in tears he said, he said, Patches, I'm dependent on you, son, to pull the family through. My son, it's all left up to you. And two days after, Patches' dad passed away, and Patches became a man that day. But he told his mama that he was going to quit school, but she said that was his daddy's strictest rule. So every morning before he went to school, he fed the chickens, and he'd chop wood too. And it's true, sometimes he felt that he couldn't go on. He wanted to leave. He just wanted to run away from home. But he remember what his daddy said with tears on his eyes on his dying bed. Patches, I'm dependent on you, son. And he did this all at the age of 13. And I bring up this allegory because, you know, the father of Patches, and this song can be found on Spotify by Clarence Carter. It's a, it's a great song. But uh, Patches, his, uh, his father, hands over the family farm and the family when Patches is 13 years old. And he's already kind of a mess. He can't pass school. And similarly, Jesus hands over the church, calling the church um, his branches, and he himself calls himself the vine. Whenever Jesus is at the Last Supper, being God-made flesh, looking into the eyes of all these 12 branches and saying, that branch is going to deny me three times. That branch was about to betray me in a few hours. Those branches aren't going to stick around. And one branch will stay on, but you'll stay along silently, you know, and, and not say anything. And still, Jesus decides to give the church to his disciples. But it's because, similar to Patches, that the church still lives. Because the church hears, as Patches hears the voice of his father through the years, that he's depending on him, 
The church hears the voice of Christ at the celebration of the Last Supper at every Mass. Whenever we come and we hear the Word of God, we hear the voice of Christ. But even more so than Patches and his relationship with his father, Jesus describes himself as the vine to these branches, and he gives his sap, his sap to the branches. He gives his own body and blood. He animates them. He animates the disciples, and he animates us. But he does it always at an inopportune time. At an inopportune time. A lot of times we conceive of uh, our vocational discernment, our relationship with God, how we're going to follow him, as what I'm going to do is have my plan where I'm going to set aside, once I've set aside all my enemies, like I, I don't have anyone more that I need to forgive. I don't have any other obstacles now that final's over. I don't, now that I don't have all these obstacles, now I'm going to start building foundationally my relationship with God, but that's not how God starts his relationship with us. Because it's God who chooses us, as Jesus says in this same soliloquy. It's not we who choose him. He chooses us to bear fruit at an appointed time. And the appointed time always seems to be in a time of trial throughout salvation history. Whether it's the first Passover meal in which God tells the Israelites to eat because the Egyptians are about to follow him through the Red Sea. Whether it's the prophet Elijah who just came off of a trip where he murdered 450 prophets of Baal, and now he's sitting under a broom tree, fearing for his life, and God sends his angel and says, get up and eat, and takes bread. God tends to feed his people, not whenever it's a nice sunny Sunday afternoon, and it, like lay out a picnic cloth for them, and all their foes, everything is is off to the side, there's no other trials that are going on, but in the midst of trial, in the midst of trial, God orders his people to eat whenever they do not desire to. And so, bringing that back to how the Last Supper is ringing through the years as the, the words of Patrick's father rings through his ears, is that even this week, in the midst of finals, whenever it seems like we want to feed on anything else, want to feed on distractions on social media, feed on perhaps resentments that we have for other people, grudges that invalidate us uh, from pursuing the Lord's will, whether it's unchaste relationships that keep us from pursuing the Lord's will, whether it's uh, binge drinking that keeps us from pursuing the Lord's will, that the Lord is calling us to turn, repent, and to eat this food, to feed from this vine, to take on the responsibility that the disciples took on, and even whenever Jesus knows that we, we will fail, he presents his body and blood again every day at Mass and every week at Mass to say, get up again, as the angel said to the prophet Elijah, to eat, to eat. So often, uh, just taking this one step further, we see this in vocational discernment as well. That God is somehow saying, like, oh, you know, God, you know, God's just asking me to spend time with him. He's not really asking me to do anything else. You know, I just need to work on my relationship with him. No, there's so much more that we need to do, right? We need to respond to um, the, the harmful relationships that we are surrounded by and to remove ourselves from those. We need to be able to take a step if God is calling me to seminary, just to take that step. The world isn't going to fall apart 
you know, if that step is taken and I don't have all my eggs in a row. We see this in the first disciples who were called the first priests, hours of their ordination failed. And then, or if it's, you know, if it's a career, you know, or, or if it's graduating on time or taking that next step, that the world is not going to fall apart if I don't have all my foes, you know, set, set on either side at peace and at rest. God calls us, feeds us, and sends us in the midst of conflict. And he did that night on the Last Supper. He did with Elijah as he did with the Israelites at Passover and as Patches has been sent by his own father. And so we ask the Lord for the courage to be able to be humble, weak, and obedient and not the inordinate desire to want to know every five-year plan step, every step of the five-year plan that we want God to give us. Because it's God who initiates the relationship with us in the midst of trial, in the midst of conflict, in the context of Last Supper. It's not we who initiate our relationship with him whenever we desire, whenever we deem ourselves worthy and ready. I believe one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 